Well, welcome to the fifth episode of the 4E Podcast. I'm Micah, and I'm joined again by Russell. Hi, Micah. Welcome to my home again for the fifth time. Thanks for your hospitality, Russ. It's, uh, it's definitely the season of hospitality, in a way, this Christmas season. That's why on this episode of the 4E Podcast, we're going to review a couple of seasonal winter-slash-Christmas beers. Sounds great. What'd you bring over? Well, I brought over Phase 3's Warmest Wishes Oat Milk Stout. Okay. I don't think I've ever had an oatmeal, or excuse me, not, yeah, oatmeal milk stout. Yeah. I have never had an oatmeal milk stout before. All right. Or a milk stout, I don't believe. I've had milk stouts and oatmeal stouts. I don't know if I've had them mashed together into one stout before. Not that I can specifically recall. I'm sure it's going to be good, though. Oh, yeah. Phase three? Definitely. They do good stouts. So phase three is, uh, as a lot of people know, started by one of the brewers from More Brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went off to do his own thing and started phase three. Yes. Yeah, so his name is Sean Burns. He Burnsy. Uh, so he really got his start working at Ram Restaurant in Schaumburg, um, which is you know, like a brewery slash restaurant. I would say it's a similar model to like Rock Bottom. Mm -hmm. And so he got his start there brewing their stuff and uh, was given some opportunity to brew on the side. And uh, I forget he had like his own, his own like beers that he would sell. Uh, I forget exactly what it was called, but you know, some type of side not side project that's a in st louis <laughs> but it's a similar situation where he was brewing moonlighting <laughs> yeah brewing his own stuff and selling it and making a name for himself and then he moved on to be the head brewer at more brewing in villa park and was controlling their entire beer program there as opposed to just doing his own things on the side and then he saw an, uh, an opportunity to branch out into this third phase or phase three <laughs> of his brewing career and start off his own brewery in, I believe it was the spring, February, March of, of this year. Um, so he's been doing his own thing, you know, for eight, nine months now. So what he is really known for is uh, the New England style or hazy IPAs. Does a lot of those and then stouts, both barrel aged stouts or non barrel aged stouts, some with a lot of adjuncts, some like this is gonna be a little more uh, free of adjuncts, um, as it's a you know, it's a milk stout, it's a that's a you know, kind of type of uh, stout, but there's the oatmeal grain used into it. So it'll be an interesting combination between those two different styles, an oatmeal stout and a milk stout thinking for this beer, but it, there's no other adjuncts to it you no know, like mm. coffee or maple or coconut or anything orange like that peel. no orange peel <laughs> yeah no cinnamon nothing like that so um, but that's kind of his background um, at phase three they uh, brew out of lake zurich brewing um, in lake zurich illinois they they contract brew up there and then they do self-distribution from what they what they brew i have had a lot of their other beers i haven't tried this one yet so i'm excited to to give it a try yeah i had their oktoberfest i don't know if that's what it was called but basically their oktoberfest beer i think it was a marzen and uh i liked it because so. yeah it was good yeah a lot of times you can get like with you know the hizzy ips and stouts there's so many of those out there and then and then it, when he's done like kind of those uh, one-off more seasonal ones like the Oktoberfest. Um, he did a Pilsner over the summer and you really just see like the quality of a brewer that he is mm -hmm. uh, with those kind of different styles as opposed to, you know, on a almost weekly or seven, you know, every two weeks, he'll be releasing a new IPA. Uh, but then every once in a while, he'll, you know, kind of throw in these other ones and you're like, he really is like a talented brewer because those, that Pilsner was very good. And then I like the, I had the, October Festival, and I enjoyed that. Talented man. So uh, should we... Uh, yeah, let's crack it crack open. Crack it open. It comes in a 16-ounce can. So we're just going to go ahead and split one of these between the two of us. Because it at 7.5%. 7 is is a you know pretty good for a stout, I would say, in terms of, like, it's on the lower end from what a lot of people are doing. You'll see, like, 
eight, nine, ten, eleven for stouts. So seven is good. Uh, it's not going to be like overpowering. I don't think. Sorry, seven point three percent. Oh, seven point three. But it's still going to have like some, uh, some more body to it from that. Yeah. You want to talk about the label? Yeah. So it 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 comes in a can. It's got a sticker label. Excuse me, a sticker label on it. It uh, kind of looks like the night sky, pretty black, and then uh, a bunch of what look like stars and triangles that kind of r- remind me of like maybe a Christmas tree. Yeah, I think that's kind of what they're going for, or maybe not necessarily Christmas trees, but like. Um, evergreen trees just evergreen. in general sure. and you know you know forest of evergreens so that's kind of the that would make I, sense because when you're out in the forest that's where you see more yeah stars for sure so yeah it's it's a nice label it's got their logo on it and everything so yeah, yeah. well yeah. cheers prost 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 kind of light on the nose actually is it just me Oh, you have a cold. We should I, we should mention that this whole beer review may be null and void because Russell has a or is on the tail end of a cold. Yeah, I'm just getting over a cold, so I still have a little of lingering congestion. So my palate might be a little skewed, but I believe. Yeah, I mean, I don't get anything that stands out. It smells like I would expect a stout to smell, but no, no real, at least from what I'm. Where I'm coming from, I don't get anything that stands out a whole lot yeah. in terms of any unique flavors. But that, you know, it's a non-adjunct stout. You're, That's true. It's just supposed to smell like a stout, right? Yeah. Hmm. I really like that. Yeah. I don't know. I just, re- it's not like overly heavy. I I kind of I assumed it being a stout, it would be pretty heavy. And it's not light. It's got a really good taste. Mm-hmm. It's very approachable. There is a, a sweetness, and a lot of times milk stouts mm-hmm. can be overly sweet, uh, at least some ones that I've had, and mm-hmm. I don't get that at all from this. It's like it's a pleasant, balanced sweetness uh, in the beer itself, and I, I appreciate that a lot. I think the the oatmeal or the oats that were used give it a little bit of a creamier more mouthfeel as well. Mm, mm-hmm. I feel that. And so, so you want to hear the description yeah. of the beer on Phase 3's Instagram page. Uh, so Warmest Wishes is our 7.3% stout brewed with milk, sugar, and a large percentage of oats. So oat, oatmeal stout and milk sugar for the milk stout. And then the description is creamy, full-bodied, and everything a stout should be. Coffee-like roast, dark baker's chocolate and subtle caramel flavors all from the malt grains used so everything that you get all that flavor profile is from the malt and the grain that was used not from anything that was added to the beer yeah i think i taste all of that but maybe not the caramel yeah i mean a a good a good stout will kind of remind you of like coffee and dark chocolate mm-hmm. flavors mm-hmm. and not necessarily you know they'll give you that without adding those flavors to the beer and you get kind of those subtle hints of that as well i mean i even coming through my cold i get a little bit of coffee roastiness from it Mm -hmm. maybe just subtle dark chocolate i I agree i don't really get the caramel but i wonder if that's more of uh on like somewhere where i'm just not able to grasp it Mm -hmm. but I, i i like this beer a lot yeah i like it too that's uh that's a good beer it's very dark as you would expect yeah, you're gonna expect a stout to can, be. For how dark it is, I thought it'd be heavier too, but it's just. I think it's at a very well balanced as far as the scale of heavy to light. It. Yeah, yeah. I think with doing like stouts in cans, like so, this comes in a in a sixty ounce can, like we said, and they they sold it in four packs. Mm-hmm. So, it's not something that I would shy away from drinking the whole 60 ounce can oh, on my own. Yeah. It's not a, you know, a heavier stout where you, where I feel like I would be like weighed down uh, from it. It's just like a really pleasant drinking stout. I think a lot of places do stouts that are in, you know, like, you know, larger bottles like bombers or, or things that are kind of meant to share mm-hmm. because you really can't drink like a whole 
regular can or a pint of it without really either feeling a little buzz from because it's a higher alcohol or mm-hmm. feeling just like too much of an adjunct that was put in or really just kind of too weighed down yeah, from it. too heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I definitely don't get that from this. Well, I mean, I know I mentioned that <clears throat> I've never had any sort of milk stout or oatmeal stout or oatmeal milk stout, but it's got to be my favorite. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of milk stouts out there for people to find if they want to branch into that. Uh, like I said, they're generally sweeter, but I think with the oats that were used, they kind of balance out that sweetness in that to to just bring like a pleasant, like I said, a lot of milk stouts I've had have been good and I've enjoyed them, but I've also been like, I don't know how much I could drink of that because mm-hmm. of the, the sweetness from it. Uh, whereas this, I don't have that and I could definitely drink more of it as well, so. I agree. I agree. What What do you think you'd pair this with as far as like eating? That's what I was just. I was like, it's like it is drinkable, but it is a little. I don't. I don't know if I'd drink it with, a, you know, chicken and rice dinner or something like. No, that. you don't. You want to go something to like match it a little more. Like you could do like, uh, some some type of beef dish. I would say. Yeah, some like uh, steak. You could do like a steak. Uh, I've had. Uh, I've had steak with a, a Guinness before. I mean, Guinness is, you know, your classic stout that I think most people have had. If they've had any type of stout, it's probably started with Guinness, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I had like a, a steak or a burger with a Guinness. And I think like you could do something like that with this beer as well, if you're looking to pair. Mm-hmm. Or if you just want to drink it with like a dessert, you could do that as well. Yeah. It would It would be a nice balance instead of getting like a you know, a cup of coffee with your dessert, uh, you get this beer with your dessert and you would get the similar kind of roastiness, mm-hmm. a little bit of bitterness from that as well, but still it would complement whatever dessert you're having, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Considering I have three more in this four pack. Yeah. And now I know what to uh, enjoy it with. I mean, you can try it with like chicken and rice <laughs> and just see, but it, it might not complement very well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely had, as far as stouts, I've had the uh, Guinness and Mur- Murphy's Irish Stout, I think is what it's called. Yeah. Murphy's, but not, not the these variations of a stout. Stouts are really popular right now, but mostly uh, because places are really filling them with adjuncts. So coffee is a big one. I've seen like maple syrup in tons of stouts lately um obviously chocolate you mentioned coconut and and cinnamon and those are kind of like some of the normal kind of more normal ones that you see mm-hmm. and then you have like vanilla well you said orange you can kind of throw anything in there <laughs> uh any a, a lot of you know fruits you can do like blueberries raspberries anything that you can kind of think that's going to pair well with like a chocolate or a dark chocolate go in there and you can just kind of experiment so do you think they're going to, if they have any plans to open their own tasting room or face So I, when they first announced that they were starting this back in the spring, I did, uh, you know, read some articles of some interview uh, that um, interviewed Sean and I, I listened to a podcast that was like a long form interview with him <laughs> mm-hmm. and his partner, Evan. They have the, a plan to eventually get their way to their own space and have their own tap room at that point, but they're just not there yet. They they had this opportunity to kind of do their own thing. They were saying that Lake Zurich just had a lot of extra space. It's apparently a good good partnership for them right now, and I hope at some point they'll open something a little bit closer than Lake Zurich. Yeah. Uh, for us being not near Lake Zurich in the Chicago area. No, no um, definitely not. And then we'll see. They're, I mean, they're only available at... A, handful of places throughout the Chicago area as it is but we'll see I mean as they as they look to expand I know they have uh, a really big following so Sean has built a following from his Ram days that followed him to more that's followed him to phase three Mm -hmm. and there's just a lot of hype anytime he has a beer that comes out yeah I mean I was there weren't many phase threes at the local liquor store I went to there was another guy who came in and picked up some other, I think they had like three options of phase three beers. 
And the guy picked it up, and the guy who worked in the liquor store is like, oh, these aren't going to last long. Like, it's, yeah. it's like news gets out that phase three is somewhere, then they're gone. He's like, all these phase threes, he's like, all these phase threes are going to be gone by nine o'clock. Yeah. So... I know there's uh, a bottle shop that you know, I mentioned in, I think it was our last podcast mm-hmm. when we were doing the Hazel's Nuts. Yeah, I had to ask um, you what that was. Right. So there's a, a bottle shop not too far from my office. There's a couple of them that get phase three. So, you know, we know from, I know from following phase three social media when they're releasing a beer. And then I generally know that these couple of locations that are near me in the city are going to get them. And so I'm just kind of checking their social media. And if mm-hmm. it's something I want to go and, and grab and try. But usually you have to get there. You have to be, leave within a half hour of seeing the post at that mm-hmm. bottle shop in order to make sure you get any of the beer or else it's going to be gone. All right, guys, I got to take a work break. Yeah. I'm out of here. A lot of times it coincides with lunch. So lunch. it's my lunch break is... Uh-huh. is going down there and then I'll actually eat lunch at my desk while I'm working because I spent my lunch break going to buy beer. I know they had uh, one of their adjunct stouts, their series that's called Curvature. They did a release and they there were lines waiting for that. So the one place that I usually go during the week to pick up the beer, the beer was being released on a Saturday, there was a line that the allotment was full before they opened. Wow. So they like kind of went out and so they announced in their social media like the night before what time they were opening and they said they were going to update when it was uh, done and they're so they're opening at at nine this place and at 850 something they said that they were sold out <laughs> so <laughs> before they were even yeah. open before they were even open <laughs> they were sold out because that they had enough people in line to, to take it and that's pretty common for some of the more specialty beers that they're releasing so yeah, they're not, uh, I don't think there's any bottle shops where I work in Itasca, but uh, if anybody knows any, leave some comments in the review that hopefully you'll be making of how great this podcast is. I mean, I don't know if you listened to the last episode, Russ and I are on a journey to become beer professionals. Yes, that's the dream. That is the dream. We're going to be beer professionals, we're going to go to the... The Great American Beer Festival. Yes, Great American Gap. We're going to go to Gap and be uh, the testers and judges, beer professional judges. So Yes. Any other thoughts you have on phase three before we move on? We didn't talk about value. I th- hmm. It was, I think, I, don't, I couldn't find the receipt in my pocket, so I'm not sure where I left it. But I believe it was $11.99 for the four-pack. Okay. Which I felt like was a really good deal. I think so. Yeah, I would say that's... For how drinkable it is, and... That's cheaper than the four packs of IPAs I've gotten from them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a little more than, like, the the Pilsner or the Oktoberfest, where I think those are around nine ninety nine, but you would expect those to sell a little bit less. Yeah. And I think their IPAs are usually, like, 14 to sixteen ninety nine. so mm-hmm. being at, like, 11 or even, say, eleven twelve ninety nine. Yeah. Like, that's that's... I think you're getting a good value Very good for value. the quality of beer mm-hmm. it is, especially that this was released last week and apparently it, it was still around today for you. <laughs> uh, that's uh, surprising for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess people didn't really want to go after a non-adjunct stout, but okay. uh, I think they're missing out if they... If that's the case, they definitely was, missed out. This was a, a very, very nice, very well done beer. Yeah, those uh, those hipsters always want the uh, variants. Come on, you gotta go for some. Sometimes you just kind of have to put the variants down and try something just kind of normal. I don't know if it's hipsters, but. <laughs> uh, so, any closing thoughts? I think you asked earlier. Uh, yeah, I think it's. I'd get it again for sure, mm-hmm. and I'm glad I have three more to drink later. Yeah. Very excited for that. Yeah. So. Well, warmest wishes to you as you drink through the rest of your four pack. Thank you. I might leave you one just for. Well, that would be that just, would be swell. Just to be in the Christmas spirit. Yeah. Well, moving on, we do have another Christmas beer that we wanted to try. Yes. From New Belgium, they had a couple of options mm-hmm. for us to tap into. I think we're just going to do one of them for our review mm-hmm. and then maybe just kind of drink the other one as we talk about other news as well. Which one are we going to do? Um, Sadie Hawkins. You know, 
Just pick one. Okay, let's do this one. And both of these, I might just say, is that, I mean, these are, I think I've seen them on the shelf before, so these aren't like brand new beers. I think I've even maybe had one of them. I just can't remember. All right, well, so we're gonna go with the New Belgian Accumulation, which is a white IPA. Before we pour it out, let's talk a little bit about New Belgium. So they are based in Fort Collins, Colorado. Great place. They uh, were 100% employee owned until very recently. Yes. When they were they were sold, and they were sold to a Australian company. If I'm remembering yeah, correctly, they were sold to Lion Little World Beverages of Australia. Hmm. And Lion Little World Beverages is themselves a subsidiary of a Japanese beverage company, correct? Yeah, they are. I believe the, the Japanese company is called Kirin's? Kirin. 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 K-I-R-I-N. Kirin Company. And they have holdings. I, I actually looked them up because I was curious what else they owned. Brooklyn Brewery. Really? Uh, they own 20, uh, 24.5% stake in Brooklyn Brewery. Hmm. They own Four Roses Distillery, um, which does... A distillery? Oh, Yeah, okay. which I know you're not really a, a whiskey guy, but mm -hmm. they Four Roses Bourbon is a pretty well-known bourbon label mm -hmm. out there. And, and it's, it's a very good bourbon, but... I didn't realize that they, that, that was kind of another big, you know, big name that they own under their umbrellas. So yeah, this, this company that also basically is the owner of New Belgium as of this week, I think was yeah. the, so the... They had a vote just recently. Yeah, they announced that the, the sale was going to happen and because it's employee owned, the employees had to vote mm -hmm. and the employees voted just this week as we're recording the podcast mm -hmm. in favor of it. So it's... Pretty much a done deal. Done deal, yeah. Is a you know, we don't know the the numbers on how much New Belgium was sold. I did see a previous article when that came out announcing the sale that said um, employees that were vested in their like pension program or whatever that they had there. Um, so they had to be vested, which I think they had to be there for at least a year and hit some other requirements. They were expected to get at least a hundred thousand dollars into that retirement. Nice. So, I mean, it's a nice little benefit yeah. to anyone that was just kind of working there uh, full time for the last few years to to get that nice little bump, which uh, is a credit to being 100% employee owned brewery that when something like this comes along, the those employees do get taken care of. So cheers to you, new Belgium employees. That's right. It's going to be a Merry Christmas for you. So we're going to try again the Accumulation White IPA. Why don't you, what are your thoughts about the the labeling? And then we'll pour it and try it. It's a brown bottle. The label has what looks like sort of a Winnebago covered in snow with some, uh, what looks like Christmas lights on it actually too. And uh, snow is just completely, almost completely covering it. I think there are some snowshoes right next to the door. So it kind of suggests there's an adventure to be had when you open the white IPA. All right. And uh, help me understand, what's the difference between a regular IPA and a white IPA? That is a great question. Um, let's pour it out and then we'll take a look at it. Well, it's really light in color. Yeah. <laughs> is that the... My guess is it's going to be something along the lines of it's a... I don't know if I've ever heard the heard of a white IPA before, but it definitely looks lighter in color. You know, whatever grain they use in order to get the color out, mm -hmm. it's not your classic kind of amber that a traditional IPA, uh, traditional American style IPA is going to be. It's it's definitely like a lighter. It almost looks like it would be a uh, pilsner. Well, I wouldn't say quite a pilsner. I, mean, I was gonna go with like a maybe like a a wheat beer or like a Belgian oh, wit or something sure, like that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I would think of it. Looking at it, it is it's opaque, so there's there's no see through on it. It's pretty hazy ish. Eh, I wouldn't I wouldn't go. I mean, it's hazy as as in it's opaque. You can't see yeah. through it, but I wouldn't put it in the hazy IPA genre all right so well, i'm learning i'm learning yeah that's why i'm like hazy yeah <laughs> with like a verbal question mark at the end 
Well, hazy has been something that's uh, been used to describe other types of beers. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of wheat beers are hazy, like Hefeweizens and, um, you know, Belgian Wits, like I said. Like those are hazy, but they're not, they don't necessarily filter out everything mm-hmm. when they when they bottle it or can it or whatever. So still, this is, has the nose of a IPA for yeah, sure. definitely. Uh, there's lots of nose. I mean, maybe it's just in comparison to the stout. So uh, go ahead and yeah. try it. Cheers. Cheers. It's definitely a lighter yeah. body to it. Um, you get kind of the the kind of traditional hate or not hate traditional IPA kind of notes, mm-hmm. but they're really toned down. Yeah, it's not very happy. When, yeah, but it does taste like an IPA. Right. It kind of tastes like a light IPA yeah. almost. But I don't know if I would qualify it as one it is still 6.2 percent alcohol mm-hmm. so for me the taste hits you like right away and then it's gone it doesn't i don't think it lingers yeah so the description that you find on the label says flurries of mosaic and amarillo hops mm. bring soft fruit and citrus flavor followed by a layer of bitter in our seasonally suited white ipa which yeah i would say Definitely soft on, and there is, uh, there is definitely that layer of bitterness that you would expect from an IPA. Mm-hmm. Although I find that to be soft as well. Yes. Um, and it kind of just goes away. It's a very nice beer. It's easy drinking. It is. Um, but I, I definitely miss kind of traditional IPA. If I'm going to drink an IPA, I want it to be more of an IPA. You want to go all in. Yeah. I think for those people who traditionally don't like IPAs uh, or just like super hoppy beers, mm. uh, this is the IPA for them. Yeah, which is for me. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not traditionally sure. it's been you. I know you're coming around to some of them. Yes, but I have been coming around. But like the, the if I'd started with this as an IPA first, I'd be like, oh yeah, IPAs are pretty good. And then I would have tried something else, and I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> where did this happiness come from? Uh, but yeah, this is a. Uh, Again, like I think you said, easy drinking IPA. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think this is the uh, gateway IPA, if I could call it that. Yeah. A little bit from New Belgium's website about this beer. It says, brewing a white IPA was not only a way to salute the white beauty falling from the sky, but a direct revolt to the longstanding tradition of brewing dark beers for winter and winter seasonal beers. At least that's what our rebellious brewers like to claim, as they shovel in plenty of mosaic and Amarillo <laughs> hop varietals and a bit of wheat for a smooth mouthfeel. I was going to say, it's not your traditional winter beer. Right. And the label definitely shows a winter scene, and you're like, oh winter beer but no it, it, yeah. it is kind of rebellious in that way i get it so there you go they were going for something to remind you of a blizzard i guess uh <laughs> based on that description that i read i've been in blizzards and it doesn't taste this good no in the middle of a blizzard you're like i want to get out of this blizzard so maybe i can drink some beer in a warm hut yeah <laughs> But it's interesting that it talks about, you know, the, you know, when they put in the mosaic and Amarillo hops and then a bit of wheat for a smooth mouthfeel, which is why it probably looks like we were saying like a wheat beer yeah. because oh, they, sure. they use wheat as their grain as opposed to, you know, uh, maybe less on like the barley or, or something like that. They'll throw in a little bit more wheat to it. Yeah. I like it. Good job, New Belgium. Yeah. Not only did, are your employees making out like... Rock stars on their vesting of ownership, but uh, you guys make good beer, which is probably why you guys got were such a target to be bought. You don't see people making bad beers getting acquired. Yeah, that's true. That's good. I don't know if I agree with the uh, they have tasting notes here as I uh, look a little bit farther down. The flavor it says big and bitter, just what this IPA ordered. Sweetness just barely dents its IBU armor. Nevertheless, the addition of wheat really smooths out the rough, bitter edge. I would say I don't agree with the first statement, but no. I do agree yeah. with the second too. I I agree. Big, did we say big and bitter? It says big and bitter, which yeah. I don't really get big or bitter. Um, but I, you know, I do get a, a little bit of sweetness and then it is, it is a smoother mouthfeel and drinking experience, like they said from the wheat. Um, but uh, it does talk about how the... 
the aroma on the nose is uh, heavy on the hop, which mm-hmm. we both got absolutely on the nose. So that I would say that is uh, spot on from our experience. So yeah, you even got that with your cold. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what about value for this one since you picked it up? Well, do you I, recall? I got it as a uh, <clears throat> make your own six pack, but it was I believe nine ninety nine for the six pack. In the mix pack? Yeah, the mi- yeah, the mix six. Mix six instead of a pick six. I think that's about normal. Yeah. For that kind you of happen to see what like the what it was gonna be for like a regular six pack of just this, did you? I didn't I didn't actually see it on the shelf other than well, I didn't see it in the refrigerator, let me say that. I okay. didn't see it in the refrigerator and since I was picking it up on the way to record the podcast, I'm sure they had some on the shelf itself where it was warm, but I think that would make for a pretty bad tasting review. Yeah, that would not have been pleasant. So I do not know for sure how much a I would six assume pack. it's probably, probably around ten dollars. Yeah, probably around there. So I think it was decently priced. Yeah. Look at the values there. I would definitely say the value is there. I mean, especially if you're going for an easy drinking, kind of lightish IPA. I mean, like you said, you're you're more into the, you know, jump all in on an IPA type thing. So you may not necessarily go for this again, but I think the price is right. Yeah. I'm just kind of doing some quick internet research and I found it at a, a different store than what you bought it, uh, purchased this, and it had it for $9.99 for a six pack. Oh, so there you go. Right. Right on, and I mean, I think you'll definitely get, I think it's good for that value. Like, I think it's priced very well for the beer that it is. Yeah, I say if you're going to have a a Christmas party, or a holiday party, or whatever you call it, and you're just having a bunch of beers in a cooler, grab a six of this. Yeah. I mean, somebody's going to like it, and uh, if not you. Yeah, and I think, like, it doesn't, it won't, like, take away from any of the food or whatever. No. Some IPAs will be you know, too bitter, and then it'll affect might affect your palate and what you want to try. But I don't think this will you'll have that issue with at all. So I think you'll be happy with drinking this and pairing it with whatever food you eat at that Christmas party. Mm-hmm. Definitely, good point. Well, I see uh, Ghostbusters on your phone. Did you see the trailer for the Ghostbusters coming out in this summer? Yeah, of course, I saw the okay. trailer. Good. What do you think? Uh, I'm in. I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Paul Rudd. He's great. Yeah. So and it's Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. I'm totally in. I'll see it. It's fun. So yeah, I think but. it'll be better than the last one. Last one seemed a little over the top. I like some in some ways. I like the reboot with uh, um, Kristen Wiig and uh, Liz McCarthy. Liz McCarthy. Yeah. Um, I liked it. I thought the the ending when they do like the like the big throwdown against all the ghosts with their contraptions, I that felt a little much to me because they didn't over the top. That's yeah. what I was saying. A I, I really liked everything up until that point because it's like, you know these these women are scientists. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I, they don't. I had no problem with them being. I don't really need them to yeah. be like an action movie hero like right. the original Ghostbusters. Where they didn't show up and do like uh, this big action scene. They no. showed up and just kind of like lucked their way. They're professors. Yeah, they're professors, yeah. and they're just they're just gonna show up and kind of stumble through <laughs> saving the day. And it'd have been fine if if they if the women did something like that, yeah. but they they said no. We want to go the action movie route, yeah. and and you lost me there. But yeah. everything else was was good, and I enjoyed it. Like I said, up until that point, yeah. Anyways, uh, sorry to kind of diverge, but I think I'm a little bit more excited for this one based off the trailers than I was on the last reboot Yeah, based off the trailers. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, we'll see. Let us digress back yeah, to beer. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, this is not a uh, movie podcast. Yeah. Uh, did you want to speak about your experience at Fobab? Well, I thought we would transition from the sale of New Belgium into another big sale news. What? There was another sale? What is going on? All these beer companies are going Christmas shopping. Or holiday shopping. Holiday shopping. Whichever one. What we're going to do is Micah brought over the other New Belgian seasonal snow day winter ale from New Belgium. So we're going to open that as we talk about beer news. So we're, as luck would have it, 
New Belgium sold, and another big sale occurred. Micah, what do you know about the other big sale? Ballast Point, huh? They got sold to Kings and Convicts, a Chicago brewery that I had never heard of. Right. Have that... you heard of them? No. Wow. Now that's saying something. <laughs> like no one had heard of. Like, okay, it's so... okay if I've never heard of them, but if Russell hadn't heard of them... That to me is like wow. There's something like more. in the neighborhood of like 200 breweries in the Chicago That's area. True. So it's not crazy to think that a, a brewery that has that's as small as Kings and Condiments, sure. but they said like uh, like they do 600 barrels of beer right, a year yeah. and have like nine employees <laughs> that people were. Hadn't heard of them. Okay, well, like that you haven't heard of them is one thing, but that they, they bought. Ballast Point. So Ballast Point, which is one of a little the, bit of background, yeah. they were one of the big names in craft beer for a long time, based out of San Diego, yes. California, mm -hmm. and they in twenty fifteen they sold to Constellation Brands, which owns a lot of things, but uh, among them Corona. Yeah, they're importers of Corona and uh, Modelo. They import like all the Mexican beers. Yeah. I don't know if you realize it's all the big ones. Corona, Modelo, and Pacifico, like the three big <laughs> Mexican beer brands. Yeah. They they bought Ballast Point in twenty fifteen for one billion dollars. With a B. Billion with a B. <laughs> and then on Black Friday, Kings and Convicts saw them on the shelf for it's not for certain what it was, but it was rumored to be between 60 and 80 million with an m dollars they go to, to amazon for that kind of a black friday deal i guess i don't know was it black friday or was it cyber monday <laughs> oh maybe it was i think it was cyber monday <laughs> when the when it happened it was not black friday i think it was cyber monday or, or the, the following week is when it it happened so everyone was like who is this company that sold what what are they doing <laughs> this is crazy but yeah, so $1 billion valuation 40 years ago, and then unknown valuation, but Josh Noel of the Chicago Tribune. Future friend of the show. Future potential friend of the podcast. Right. Mentioned that he had heard sources saying, I think 60 to 80 million was what it was kind of rumored at. Mike Zoller from Porch Drinking Chicago uh, on his Instagram when he was reporting on the story posted that he had heard reports of 200 to 250 million hmm. but that was earlier on in everything mm -hmm. and then i would say the the much lower number came around so initially i was like well two to 250 that's still a big chunk of change and it's in line with what a lot of other breweries have been sold for recently but then you take that i think that was just kind of maybe some initial rumors and then we see Josh Noah with his sources saying that he was hearing 60 to 80 million, which is a crazy <laughs> devaluation for this. I mean, like, Anheuser-Busch didn't want it, and Anheuser-Busch probably would have paid more. Probably. I think. It's just insane. So when news broke, all of the beer Twitter that I follow was completely confused. I was sitting at my office like, what's happening? This is... This is crazy that like Ballast Point was sold, but they were underperforming from the billion dollar valuation that they got. And the, this, you know, Kings and Convicts came swooping in. Eventually we found out a little bit more information about Kings and Convicts and their owner and what had happened. So their owner was... He had a really, he kind of had a relationship. Yes. So... With, uh, with the Ballast folks. He did. He was, so the owner of Kings and Convent, Brendan Waters, he was a former hotel executive who sold a chain of hotels in 2015. So he had probably a lot of money from selling these hotels and he was just starting off in, into this brewery world mm -hmm. fairly recently. So, so you gotta think he had some money. And then I, uh, it was reported later, a few days or even a week later that uh, there was another investor that came along who had partnered with Brendan in previous ventures. And this investor is the founder of, I forget the name of his company, but they own, they own a lot of liquor brands. One of them is Franzia, the boxed wine. 
he the, his company is not investing. He himself personally personally is investing. So he kind of came in as another partner, so they could have enough capital to buy maybe only sixty to eighty million dollars worth of capital to buy Ballast Point when back you only from have Constellation a, Brains. When you only have a handful of employees, you're gonna need a little more. Yeah, a little more cash to close that, even at to that discount. I, I, do you think that maybe Ballast was over? Yes. Value. I, I feel like even at the sold? even at the time when they were sold for one billion. I feel like they, most people said this was an overvaluation. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for Constellation brands, they hit the top of the market. You know, everything with selling craft beer brands started with Goose Island in, I believe, 2011. And then kind of values kept building and building and building. And they peaked with Ballast Point at $1 billion. What's been sold since then, I think, has been more reasonable. Mm-hmm in terms of what the brand is and and what the the big company is paying for it. But yeah, I think that one billion was just a little or a lot. Kind of, kind of uh, pop the bubble of yeah. the of the increasing valuation. Increasing valuation. But I mean Ballast Point, you know, we're talking about it now in twenty nineteen, but there is a time when they were doing some of the, you know, best IPAs, even like their their Sculpin, which is their flagship IPA, is a great IPA. Like it, it's a great traditional West Coast style IPA that you couldn't get anywhere, and now you can get it in any liquor store in Chicago, and it's nice because you know you have access to one of the better IPAs on the market, and they have different varieties that they do, different variants. I really like the grapefruit Sculpin that you know it's their normal IPA but with some grapefruit added for an extra kick of citrus and I love that beer so I can understand why there would be runaway valuations for somebody that has as big of a name as Ballast Point did at the time. They're still really good because I mean at Gap the Great American Beer Festival yeah again please leave a good review and rating so Russ and I can be beer professionals and go to Gap as a uh, reviewer judge Right. Have you, um, or at least get some of the leftovers? Oh, definitely. I would yeah. work for the leftovers for sure. Well, that's what the that's what the, yes. the not the judges, but everyone that sets up the judging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can do that. They work for the beer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, but at this most recent Gap Ballast Point Chicago specifically, yes, won the gold or no, sorry, they won bronze for an American style cream ale. So yeah. I mean they're still doing well and they have a Chicago presence. Right. Yeah. So uh, Constellation Brands has a I don't know if they're headquartered in Chicago or they have like a major. Yeah, I've heard that. Uh, yeah. Like a major office in Chicago. They might be headquartered in Chicago, which are. is why they, when they bought Ballast Point, they wanted to open a Chicago brew pub where you can get a lot of the stuff that's made in San Diego at their original location, but they also do things specific for that brew pub. I've always meant to go, but there's a thousand, not a thousand, but there's almost 200 breweries in Chicago. There are more breweries per capita in Chicago than any other city in America. Yeah, that was the number that, uh, or the stat that came out. I think earlier this year. Yeah. So there's just a lot to wade, wade through in, in Chicago. But the interesting thing with this sale to Kings and Commons for Ballast Point is we've seen craft breweries get sold to big beer. You know, you think Goose Island, you know, New Belgium uh, just happened to. I mean, Founders. You know, yeah, Founders recently, uh, recently to um, San Miguel Group. You have a lot of these situations. Uh, Ballast Point being one of the bigger ones because of the $1 billion valuation. Now they get sold back out of big beer and they're technically craft beer again by like the official like definition. Uh, they are a craft brewery once again. So this is the f- technically the first time that a beer uh, that a brewery has gone from craft beer to not craft beer back to craft beer because of the ownership change. And we'll see what it means for other breweries or that might not be performing yeah. if they get you know resold off. Or we'll see if maybe this is the first step in Brendan Waters and his business partners starting their own beverage conglomeration with uh, buying up other breweries that are out there. You know, Russ, I think we should buy Goose back from AB. Make them craft again. Uh, let's let's try that. <laughs> how much? How much do you think we can? 
muster up for that. I don't know. You work at a bank. I mean, can't you just go to the <laughs> vault or something? That's that's not how that works. <laughs> Put our houses up for collateral. I mean, I mean, I could just stop buying all the Goose Island that I, that I have bought <laughs> in the past. <laughs> Save that. Save that going forward, and then maybe I can buy them. Because in about 20 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> because then, like, the sales would have dipped so much from all the goose that I stopped buying. So, eh, well, maybe not the best idea <laughs> I've ever had. No. <laughs> It'd be fun. Wouldn't it? I don't know anything about brewing. It'd be fun to own a brewery if I knew something about brewing. Well, I've homebrewed once. Yeah. So you're an expert then, right? Uh, no. No, not at all. I mean, if you're just the owner, I mean, you just keep the people in place who are doing a good job. Keep them happy. Keep them happy. And, yeah. you know, they'll get extra attention because we're in town and we're not in St. Louis. Yeah. Or Belgium or wherever they yeah. are. Europe. Europe. Just, let's just say Europe because I forget, forget where InBev. I feel, I feel like they're a Belgian company. But not New Belgium. Right. That sounds right. It's just, I mean, Europe is fine. You know, I'm going to be in St. Louis right after Christmas. I might just go knock on the door and say, hey, are you guys interested in offloading Goose? Let's talk. Well, we'll see what they say about the the Bourbon County <laughs> sales because that's kind of their big, uh, their big thing. You were right. InBev is Belgian. Mm. And their technical North American headquarters are in St. Louis, but... I think for all intents and purposes, most of the big wigs are in New York. Well, that's probably pretty common. Yeah. So Anyhow, uh, where were we? We went from Drinking New Belgium, who got sold, to Bell's Point, who also got sold, to talking about other things that have been sold, which is Goose Island, to talking about uh, maybe trying to buy Goose Island back, but we'll have to wait to see if Bourbon County did anything right. for them, because yeah. that's their big money maker. It is. And then Bourbon County leads us to Barrel-Aged Beers, which leads us to... Fobab? Fobab. Fobab. So what do you remember from Fobab now? The festival. That was like a, feels like a lifetime ago. It was like a month and a half ago. But hey, you know, what do you remember from your kind of inebriated drinking notes that you made? (laughs) So it was the festival of barrel-aged beers. Oh, sorry. Yes. Festival of barrel-aged beers. Yes. I tried to take a few notes while I was there. I went back and read my notes. They were not great notes. <laughs> so. And then autocorrect doesn't help. Right. So you went to the last day, wasn't that right? Yes. And the, la- and the, and the last session, correct? Yeah. So FOBAB, they have three sessions across two days. A Friday evening session, a Saturday afternoon session, and a Saturday evening session. Uh, I went to the Saturday evening session, the last session. The advantages of the last session okay. are the the first two sessions, Friday evening and Saturday afternoon, there is a VIP hour mm-hmm. beforehand. So there's a whole hour where you have to, I think you have to sign up over the summer for the VIP program that the Illinois Brewers Guild has. And the big perk is you get the early entry into FOBAB, into one of the, the two VIP sessions. So instead of four hours, you have five hours. And the VIP sessions, there's less people, so you can kind of drink what you want. So uh, the disadvantage is if you go to one of those sessions and you don't get the VIP, is some of the popular beers tap out, tap out mm-hmm. immediately. Um, I remember that last year when I went. Yeah, so when we went, a lot of like the... The more brewing, more brewing yeah. was gone. Like, totally missed it. Yeah, immediately and, and heard, all that. Heard it was great. Yeah, I it had, a, I think I got like a half pour of mm. that because that was really all that was left. It was really good. The other advantage, so the Saturday evening doesn't have that VIP hour. Mm-hmm. So everybody has full kegs for you. So beer lasts a bit longer, mm-hmm. which is nice. The other advantage is the judging all gets announced during mm-hmm. the Saturday afternoon session. So, so the you, winners. So you already know what won, and you can kind of plan from there to see if it's some if these beers are something that you want to try. And it's really not a bad idea just to be like, 
I don't really, I'm not too familiar with this beer, this brewery, but they want a bronze medal in this category. Let's just get a half pour and see how, how it goes. You can kind of go crazy. And some of the more obscure ones you can get like all night long. And this won a gold medal for this category, but nobody really cares about this category. So you can just keep drinking it. And if it's good, you just drink a whole bunch of it. So yeah, it is all you so can drink. So That is the other uh, advantage to... Saturday evening. To Saturday evening. Uh, I would correct you. It's not. It's technically not all you can drink. You do have a little stamp thing in the back of your faux bag booklet, but mostly they don't. They don't have stamps. But it is a law in Illinois that beer festivals cannot offer you unlimited beer. So they have to like limit you. But then it's up to like the people at the place to enforce it. The interesting thing is, uh, for the first time in several years, a stout did not win Best in Show or Best in Show runner-up. Unbelievable. A, a barley wine won Best in Show from Bottle Logic in, I believe they're based in California. Anaheim. Anaheim. Their barley wine arcane rituals aged in a blend of bourbon, brandy, and VSOP cognac barrels won Best in Show. And then... Uh, Lost Abbey won runner-up for a sour that was terrific. Peach Afternoon? Uh, yes. Yeah, they're out of, also, California. Also California. Yeah. Did you, so did you try both of those? I did. I had a little sip of the Bottle Logic, probably one I won Best in Show. And I had two pours of the Lost Abbey that won runner-up. So I I did uh, I did try to you know get as much as I possibly could uh, of of that, but the arcane rituals definitely had its um, definitely had a line, so <laughs> it was not the easiest thing to to get to. But the Lost Abbey had a shorter line, and I went through it a couple of times. Getting back to some of the beers that stood out for me, uh, Phase Three, who we had their their stout that we tried at the beginning, they had their curvature, uh, barrel-aged curvature with coconut, coconut, vanilla, and cassia bark, um, which gives you like a cinnamon. That was terrific. That was one of my favorite beers. It was a, an excellent beer overall that they uh, that they did. And um, that was the first one we tried because we knew it was going to go fast and there was a big line. Um, I only did one pour of that, but I had some friends that went through that line a couple of times. And got a got a few. The Weldworks uh, had peanut butter a uh, peanut butter cup. Um, no way. That was terrific. What was it called? Weldworks. Weldworks is the brewery. It was. It actually didn't show up on like the listing anywhere. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of like a surprise edition uh, that people found out about, and it there was love, a huge line for that. I love peanut butter cup. Yeah. It was. I've had a few, beer. I've had a few peanut butter stouts, and they haven't been anything special. Oh. And this one was special. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a look at that one. Excellent. The other stouts that really stood out for me, uh, Maplewood had Cuppa or Copa, Cuppa C U P P A, um, and that was terrific. And we heard a lot of uh, hype going into that. Um, they actually had a a release of uh, their barrel-aged stouts, the cup of stouts that Saturday morning at Maplewood. So I didn't go, but if I wanted to, I could have lined up early for that, gotten a bunch of those beers, and then uh, you know bought some of those, and then got into Fobat afterwards. <laughs> but it was a very good beer. And the other, uh, the other one that really stood out was Pure Project, which is also in California, I believe. They had an Imperial Stout agent... Breckenridge bourbon barrels with additions of toasted organic hazelnuts, organic coffee, organic cacao, and organic vanilla bean. So it's pure projects, so everything's like organic. organic. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it was one of the best beers I had there. I really? loved that beer. I actually had, I think, three pours of that. Wow. That was definitely my favorite beer overall. I would say, I, I uh, reading kind of other people's recaps, and uh, kind of seeing results. Vanilla was like the favorite adjunct. All these beers that had vanilla in them won like lots of medals for some reason. And like vanilla is great, but it was kind of nice to have to have some other adjuncts in there as well to kind of balance out the vanilla, because especially if the vanilla is not done 
well, I think it can kind of get kind of get lost. So what I thought was interesting was there's this brewery Cerebral. They won they won gold medal uh, for the specialty stout for their vanilla rye Here Be Monsters, mm-hmm. and they also had another beer there um, called Safe Word. And I actually like the other one better than the one that won the gold medal. Safe word you liked better. Yeah. So I, that was my other big takeaway is everyone was lining up for the vanilla rye here we monsters. And I, and I got, it may have been something where it was like, oh, this is overhyped or, you know, like I liked it, but it was kind of overhyped for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Um, but this, the, the vanilla rye um, was aged in uh, 10 year Vermont rye whiskey for 22 months and then had a blend of uh, Tahitian, Ugandan, Madagascar, bourbon, vanilla beans. So it's all vanilla. Hmm. Uh, but the other one that they had was an oatmeal stout hmm. aged in 16-month Laws rye whiskey barrels and then conditioned on toasted coconut, Belize cacao nibs, and cashew bark. Hmm. And I liked those flavors a lot better. Safe so, word. Yeah. So that was, that was my preferred of the cerebrals. Lastly, there's a brewery in Chicago called Hot Butcher. They have a similar business model to Phase 3. Um, they've been around a little bit longer than Phase 3, so you could say Phase 3 copied similar where they do contract brewing and self-distribution. They do mostly IPAs and hazy IPAs, and they do them really well. They're some of the best you can get in the Chicago area mm-hmm. from Hot Butcher for the World or simply Hot Butcher. They had some barrel-aged stouts, and they were terrific. I, I know people usually line up or, or try to find these as best they can, but this one was definitely a, uh, a winner for me. Piggyback Ride and Slow Death of the Familiar, both of them were excellent beers. Did you see anything crazy while you were there? Or meet anybody interesting in line? Didn't really meet anyone interesting in line, uh, but I did meet somebody that worked for Phase 3 oh. uh, at the festival itself and had a nice chat with him. So he's, uh, his name is Jeff, and uh, we had a, a good a good discussion with him about Phase 3 and just kind of where they're going in the future. And yeah, it was, it was nice to kind of meet someone. He does more of the operations mm-hmm. on, uh, on Phase 3 and kind of more of the business side as Sean does the brewing. But it was nice to you know get to chat with him for a little bit. So you could say you ran into a celebrity. I wouldn't say a celebrity. <laughs> Maybe if it was Sean the Brewer, uh-huh. uh, you know Sean Burns. But I mean Burnsy. I don't. Know. I think Jeff was a was a great guy, but I would not say he's a celebrity. Did you get a selfie with him? Did not. Oh. I don't like to ask for selfies with random people when I'm drunk. That's the best time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other like? crazy stories or i'll uh i'll leave those stories for not on the podcast so maybe over next week when we're over here for christmas eve you can yeah tell me some of those maybe we will regale you with some stories <laughs> i will say there is a popeyes that's like a block away and we my friend did run out and get us all the popeyes chicken sandwich that the is all the rage one? i think it's spicy I had the spicy before because oh. you got the regular but we ran out and got some chicken sandwiches so we had those in line before the doors opened. And that was a nice so base, nice, yeah. base laying. Yeah. And then we got there really early, two to two and a half hours before the session oh started. Oh goodness. It was a nice day, so it was fine to stand outside. <laughs> uh, so and it wasn't raining like last year. It wasn't year. raining like last year, rain, okay. snow mix. Uh, so it was fine to stand outside and just kind of wait. And then we got through security very quickly, and we were the right at the rope to when they released it so we were like the first ones into wow. fobab wow it's like winning the lottery yeah it was great so we were probably 10th in line when we got in line and how was the sandwich sandwich is great yeah i mean people are saying it's better than chick-fil-a are you uh it's definitely the value is better Okay. It's like well, Chick Fil A is kind of expensive. It's like three ninety nine for just this giant yeah. sandwich, and it's a big sandwich for yeah. like three ninety nine. What falls Popeye short, I think, is the spicy chicken because mm-hmm. it's just a spicy mayo. They don't actually put like spices in the breading. Oh, really? Where Chick Fil A and even Wendy's, Wendy's. their spicy chicken yeah. puts in the breading. Yeah. So, hmm. but this is not a chicken sandwich podcast. No, it's not. Sorry, I like but, to diverge. Sometimes? Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a good time. 
Yeah, cool. Fobab is one of my favorite events. I liked it. I hope to go again next year. TBP. I'm going to have to save up. Put that in the budget. There you go. Well, that's all we have for you on this episode of the 4E Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. It's free. And leave a five-star rating and a glowing review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. Even if you don't believe your review, leave a glowing review. And then let us know outside of those things. Yeah. Because, like... We'll take your criticism, but we don't want to take it on, like, iTunes where I could, like, other people could read it. Right. Yeah. Keep that private. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that goes a long way to growing our podcast, not to mention helping Russell and I become beer professionals. Woo-woo! And if you're feeling especially awesome or charitable this Christmas season, tell your friends about it. It's the best Christmas gift we could have is, is if you tell your friends or steal their phones and subscribe to our podcast <laughs> on their phones. Totally. I mean, with some of these phones, you can just unlock it by just pulling it up to their face. Right. So just do that real quick. Yeah. While they're drunk, because they don't know what's going on. Exactly. And then, uh, and then subscribe them. I'm going to do that to everyone I see this holiday season. <laughs> I'd like to see that. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, Micah. <laughs> Thanks, Russell. Merry Christmas to you. And... May I, may I ask our faithful listeners to enjoy lots of beer this Christmas, but be sure to get a rideshare or other sober driver to get you home if you're getting a little too into the Christmas spirit. Smart. Definitely. Drink smart. Drink good beer. Amen. <laughs> Don't think about beer. Don't think about beer. Don't think about beer. <laughs>